Good afternoon. First, timekeepers don't start yet. I would like to just recognize a wonderful lady from the Bible Belt of Hamilton Parish, <laughs> Dr. Hudson. You know, it's my belief that if this country would have paid attention to Dr. Hudson over 35 years ago, the, our problems that we have today would have been probably gone. So Dr. Hudson, thank you for what you've done for us. I stand on your shoulders. Thank you. The book, The History of the Bermuda Industrial Union, documents the efforts of the men and women who bought the BIU through the, its most difficult times. They were workers who had the courage of their convictions, as well as the commitment to confront the hypocritical, vindictive, and deeply entrenched oligarch that was hell-bent on systematically controlling all facets of Bermuda's 20th century economic, social, and political affairs. They were aided and abetted by a succession of colonial governors prepared to go to any lengths in sustaining themselves in power. In Bermuda, the working conditions were so oppressive that during the first 115 years after emancipation, workers, workers were only able to mount three major demonstrations against the exploitation of their labor in 1853, 1902, and 1945. The 1853 protest was against the government's plan to use taxpayers' money to import white Portuguese laborers to undercut wage rates demanded by black workers. Black workers condemned that proposal by a legislator composed totally of white employers. In 1902, the demonstrations centered on the mistreatment of several hundred Jamaican men, women, and children who had been recruited under contract to work at the Royal Naval Dockyard in Iron Island. Upon arrival in Bermuda, they were dismayed at what they termed gross violations of their contracts. Full employment and wages that they had been promised were not paid. Neither were their accommodations adequate. American-born pastor from the Amy Church, Reverend Charles Vinton Mung, took up the plight of the workers soon after he arrived in Bermuda, and he vowed that he was prepared to fight to the end to eradicate the injustices of these workers. Reverend Monk also owned and published the newspaper called The New Era, and he wrote articles in his newspaper about the harsh treatment of the workers, and he exposed the corruption in public places. Protests, protests by workers were met with abuse from their bosses. The more vocal of the individuals demanding their rights were summoned before the Somerset magistrate and often jailed on the slightest pretext. There was a series of riots at the dockyard. Fires were set to buildings. The next day, the first reading was given in Parliament of the 1902 Riot Act. Several of the workers were arrested. Eight were jailed to a term of up to eight months. In the aftermath of the rioting, because of Reverend Monk's coverage of the events in his newspaper, he was charged with criminal libel and tried in the Supreme Court. He was found guilty, sentenced to six months in jail and fined 300 pounds. Reverend Monk defiantly declared that he did not expect justice, having to appear in court before a chief justice whose son was the prosecuting attorney general, the assistant justice on the bench was his latter's father-in-law, 
Reverend Monk called them the Father, the Son, and the Unholy Ghost. <laughs> I guess I would call them the lynch mob. Today, we have Reverend Tweed, also from the Amy Church. Reverend Tweed was also one of the founders of the People's Campaign, who called for equality, jobs, and justice in Bermuda. Because of his active participation with the People's Campaign, the former OBA government refused to renew his work permit in an effort to silence him. The church appealed the ruling by the minister, which was what was unfair about the adjudication of the appeal is that the same minister who refused the work permit also turned down the appeal. The Bermuda Conference of the Amy Churches took the case to court. The Chief Justice ruled that the Bermuda government's denial of a work permit and the attempt to deport Reverend Tweed was unlawful in what would be recorded as a historical landmark victory for the Amy Church and the people of Bermuda. So you see, nothing has really changed from Reverend Monk's time in 1898 to Reverend Tweed's time in 2017. And let me say that during the time that Reverend Tweed was waiting the court date, the church made a request to the government that Reverend Tweed be allowed to officiate and eulogize a, one of his members. The government told him no. Keep me out of your pulpit. Unionism came late in Bermuda. In fact, the first blue-collar labor organization was started in 1944 when the Bermuda government forced the newly elected, newly established U.S. bases to cut wages of Bermudians working on base. They did not want their rates of pay to exceed the wages paid by the Bermuda employers. Because of this injustice, workers got together and formed the NOB Workers Association. They realized that labor could not expect to get a free wage unless and until it formed a permanent organization. Later, the name changed the Bermuda Workers Association and subsequently the Bermuda Industrial Union. The 1965 Belco riots on February the 2nd, 1965, is a red day letter, red letter day in the archives of the BIU. Ira Phillip wrote, it marked the climax as one of, Bermuda, of the union's most celebrated disputes when police and workers clash in what is known as the Belco riots. This was a recognition dispute between the BIU and Belco. The union's application for recognition to Belco was refused. There was intervention from the Labor Relations Office, and the company, the company agreed to a ballot provided that all 231 employees participate in a vote, which included supervisors and management personnel. And they also stipulated that the union must get 60% of the yes vote in its favor. Obviously, the union could not accept that. Strike action started on Tuesday, January the 1965. 80 of the 97 employees went on strike. As a result of the February 2nd riots, several of our members were charged in courts. Four of them, namely Kenny Paul, Vivian Ming, Josh De Silva, and Kervin Rattery were sentenced to 12 months in prison. After four months, Kenny Paul, who will, who will be eulogized tomorrow, was acquitted upon appeal. Ming, De Silva, and Rattery served uh, serve six months of their 12-month term. They were granted amnesty stemmed from persisting lobbying by the BIU and Reverend Coles from Richard Allen AME Church. Let me close by talking a little about the income disparity that exists today that has been cast in stone. 
And if it were not for the unions, it would be worse because unions base their negotiations on the job or position rather than on gender or race. It took, if you look at the 2016 census report, you will see that every job category as outlined with blacks and whites, with, some, with the same positions, whites are paid, paid more than blacks. This standard officially started in 1834, when whites refused to pay black workers the same rates that their masters hired them out for. And you know, it was one politician that came to me, not so, well, last year, and they were sort of annoyed. They said, I'm peeved off, they use another word. But they said they just finished a job. This person's very well competent, CPA. And what they found out, the person that replaced them not only got more money, that didn't bother too much, but that person got $8,000 a month in live-out expenses, something they never got. That continues today. As I stated earlier in my presentation, that the oligarchy were hell-bent on controlling all facets of Bermuda. In my opinion, it still continues in regard to income. In the 2017 final report of the Commission of Inquiry, the members of the panel, John, Fiona, and Anthony, wrote something that even today indicates that they still want to control what one segment of the population earns when they made the following statement. And they made the statement based on an assumption. They said the level of compensation for providing collateral for Ventus Burgess and Vincent Hollandsey, they don't mind me using the name because it's out in the public, appears on the face of it to be excessive. What they are actually saying is that there should be a cap on what black people earn. And the sky's the limit for whites. What is amazing that a fellow named Mr. Berlin was employed at the dockyard for the American cop and made hundreds of thousands of dollars in an 18-month period. And he ends up getting an award from my aunt, the Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> Thank you.